2: Follow us on Instagram at FromTheShadowsPodcast. We have a YouTube channel. Go to the search bar of YouTube and put FromTheShadowsPodcast and please subscribe to that channel. We are also on the Odyssey Radio Network and we can be found there at OdysseyOne.com. We're still on the traditional podcatchers that everybody loves to listen to us on. We get a lot of feedback, so please rate the podcast and communicate with uh, whether you're on Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, Apple Podcasts, Podbean, or Google Podcasts. We're there, and we appreciate it when you leave comments for us. We also have a Patreon page it can be found at www.patreon.com forward slash from the shadows. You can receive books, stickers, coffee mugs, and special content just for our Patreon subscribers. Check it out for yourself and see what packages that we have to offer. Well, that's all I have for you right now, folks. And thanks for being a part of the From the Shadows podcast family. So with that being said, Let's get this episode started.
3: Welcome everyone to the From the Shadows podcast. I'm your host Shane Grove and with me as always is the super producer Jason.
2: Hey, how's it going everybody?
3: Seriously, you're going to leave everybody hanging? That's not your tagline?
2: Greetings.
3: Thank you. Jeez. (laughs) How how can we, how are we supposed to sell those ringtones of greetings? Chop, chop. You got to get to it. You got, but you keep mixing it up. Like, how's it going? Come on. Come on. We, we have a business plan. You're not sticking to it, man. You're killing us. <laughs> and also, joining us tonight is, uh, for lack of a better term, the barrister. The barrister, how are you doing tonight? Hey, I'm, I'm hanging in there. I'm excited to get started with this episode. I got to be honest with you. <laughs> well, before we introduce our guest, We want to give a special shout-out to – got two new patrons, Scott and Austin. And we want to thank those guys for showing their support to the From the Shadows podcast, which, look, if you love us, love what we do, even if you hate us, even if you hate what we do, you can still support us um, for as little as – I think it's $5 a month is the the lowest level, and you get all kinds of extra uh, bonus – Recording some stories and an extra Ozark holler story, you know, so you get some cool behind the scenes stuff. So go check our Patreon page out if you you want to give us some support. So um, enough of that, though, we'll get into introducing our guest, which um, came to us by our appearance on the uh, radio station last week in St. Louis. One of the listeners said, hey got to check this guy out. He's, uh, he's a longtime big Bigfoot researcher. Um, he's amassed a huge, and I do mean huge, database of recordings and experiences and sightings. I mean, it's this website this guy has is unbelievable. I mean, the rabbit hole you can go down, checking out the stuff he has on there is fantastic. So joining us is... Uh, and I'm going to label him as, as Mr. Bigfoot for Illinois. Stan, how are you doing this afternoon?
4: I'm doing, I'm doing great.
3: Well,
0: thank you. Hold on you. a second, Grover. Well, I thought we were. You told me we were interviewing Miss Illinois.
3: Miss Illinois, got a Bigfoot guy on here? Well, listen. Stan oh, did not yeah. well, I, was, sta- minute, stand I, just, I was
0: really excited about this episode. I'm not so sure how excited I am anymore.
3: Stan I, did not agree. Right, well, okay. to, Stan did not agree to the swimsuit part of the competition. So, uh, therefore, we had to scrap the, the Illinois. <laughs> I got to be just, honest
0: with you, now. If he's not going to go with the lingerie, I'm, I am might be out.
3: Well, well, it's early in the. It's early in the. Uh, it's early in the uh, interview here. So let's maybe you can you know smooth smooth talk him a little bit. So, so, right. st- so, stand, so stand, so uh, stand. All shenanigans aside, let everybody know, um, you know how you got into uh, into Bigfoot. Like, where did this all begin? Because I'm telling you, that website is unbelievable, and we'll get into that. But you know, how did you get interested in in the subject?
4: <clears throat> well, I, I was born and raised in the Pacific Northwest, so. You know, it's, it's something that uh, most kids know in that part of the country. I, uh, I had my first uh, encounter in uh, 1967 in uh, Springfield, uh, Oregon, and and then moved to Illinois in 1974 and really didn't think much about it in this part of the country until... Uh, so the internet got real big, and and got on the Bigfoot forums and and started finding them out about it that way.
3: So so tell us tell us about your experience in nineteen. Would you say sixty seven? Right. So I
4: I, I I didn't have a visual. That was more of a uh, up up in the very patch and twenty uh, five foot trees being bent over to the ground and let go and. You know, oh I, I just always thought it was—I always thought it was a bear, and later on, guy says, "You know, that's not bear behavior. That's Sasquatch behavior."
0: So, so in the Pacific Northwest back in 1967, how how accepted was the belief in in Sasquatch?
4: You, you know, you know, there wasn't there wasn't a lot of talk. I I, I think I do remember watching the Patterson uh, Gimlin video when it came out in 67 uh, but there there wasn't uh, wasn't much talk about it and and what there was the uh, the concept in that day and age was these animals are very rare and they're only in wilderness areas and on the mountaintops and and uh, so it was totally different than
0: today and so what do you think what do you think caused the the evolution of I mean, because think of it this way, if Sasquatch has been around for thousands of years, which I think are at least hundreds and hundreds of years, if you go back to Native American lore, okay, what, I mean, what made it explode? I mean, I know, like, in Ohio in the 1800s, there were some sightings, we got the Ohio Grassman and things like that, but, but why does it explode? I mean, wh- why so many sightings now versus back in the 60s and 70s?
4: Well... You know, you know, in, in, in Illinois, actually, there's newspaper articles going back into the, uh, the 1890s, uh, and 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 just a whole scattering of, of of newspaper clips until until in the 70s, and then then it be kind of uh, editors kind of said uh, this doesn't belong in a serious newspaper, so it kind of disappeared. And it's only recently come back in the newspapers.
0: Um, yeah, I would, I would say, you know, Sasquatch's Bigfoot cryptids are now in vogue because you have right. TV stations like the Travel Channel and Sci-Fi, who you can, right. you know, you can turn on a TV and, and there's something paranormal or cryptid on 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Right.
4: Yeah, it's just, uh, well, you know, the Internet has changed everybody's life for any anything you're interested in, and uh, mm-hmm. uh, Bigfoot was a way to bring thousands of people to uh, together that are that are interested.
0: So you had this experience back in '67 where you had the trees, and you say, "Well, you know, you someone advises you that hey, that's not fair you know, behavior that Sasquatch." So what what was it about that, or is it something else that triggered you to say, "I, I I'm going to be passionate about this subject matter"? I want to know more. I want to know as much as I can about this topic. Because, look, there are people out there that, that have no interest in in paranormal. Those people have no interest in this stuff. What was it about your childhood or your upbringing or your life that said, hey, this is something I want to dive in both feet and, and, and make this my passion project? I,
4: I think it's just always been a question of the unknown. And it's always seemed like no matter where I live, because I was raised in a remote area in Idaho. And, you know, you look out over those mountains and you just wonder what's, what's in those mountains that I don't know about. And uh, it seems like every place I've lived since then and, and, and until today is I, I wouldn't want to live somewhere where you don't have a mystery of some kind. Mm-hmm. And, so the, and so Illinois, the, Illinois, especially, see, they. You know, this word Bigfoot didn't come out till 1958, so most of the papers always called in this part of the country just referred to it as a monster.
3: Okay. So did you? So did you think then, once you left and moved to Illinois, that that pretty much there was no such thing as as Bigfoot around here, and then it was just once.
4: Right. I I didn't really think too much about it because, well. Frankly, I was raising a family and I was working all the time, and uh, I just just thought it was a West Coast phenomenon. D- didn't so, know about it in this area.
3: And so then, so once the internet came up, you started seeing some 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 stuff happening in your own backyard, basically. And then, right, so right. So tell so tell us then how then what did that spark? Like how did how did you get full fledged into What's going on in? Well, all and you know, all.
4: I've I've always been interested in audio recording, and in fact, I did my first recordings in the '60s with a with a little a reel-to-reel recorder I would take out. So I've always been really interested in sound, and 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 a lot of bird stuff, and uh, and it, and it, so when I started interviewing people. I found out that people are actually more traumatized when they hear it and don't see it. Most, You know, if a sighting is at a distance, people aren't traumatized that. But if you, if they're in their house and they have something growl at them or scream at them up close, then then it's a different story.
0: So well, and I think just people always... So I'm not not to cut you off, but I think sometimes people don't always believe what they see, but for some reason they believe what they hear.
4: I think that's true. Yeah. I think that's true a lot. And the, the sad part is with, with, with sounds, uh, everybody hears something different, you know, it just doesn't sound the same. And, uh, so I really, I really like to. If if I'm out in the woods or anywhere, I like to have somebody with me. So if we hear something, we can say, well, what do you think that was? Gotcha. So, and it, and it seems to me like 95% of 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 uh, uh, a possible Sasquatch activity is sounds. You know, the the sightings are are still rare. But the sounds aren't. When I go to my research area, if I walk through there in the night, ninety percent of the time I hear something. But yet I've only seen one thing in 15 years. You know, other other than footprints, you just it, it it's hard to see one of these animals because they're they're not wanting you to see them.
3: Yeah, that's what it seems like. It seems like the majority of people who do see them, it's because Bigfoot wanted them to see them. You know, it was like almost like an intentional, like, "All right, I'm gonna, I'm gonna give you a little show, and that better be enough to scare you off, get you out, get you out of here."
4: I've seen, I've seen three in the daytime in Illinois, and one in West Virginia in the daytime, and and it was always, um, they were always as as surprised as I
3: was. Oh, really? Okay. Right. So I'm completely wrong then. Just, just say. You're completely well on many many (laughs) levels. You're wrong, Grover. So, (laughs) So, but it's (laughs) but it does seem to it does seem to me though when I hear like a lot of the stories being told that a lot of times it seems like they're, you know, it's with a purpose. You know, like we're going to show they're going to show themselves with a purpose.
4: Well, that that is true.
3: You know the the interesting thing is is that
0: you know the odds of the odds of getting struck by lightning are probably higher than 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 seeing a sasquatch and and you've been fortunate enough to see multiple so how how if someone and there's a lot of big bigfoot enthusiasts out there that would love to see how do you do it i mean how do you go out in the woods and get lucky enough to 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 come across or maybe unlucky enough who knows maybe sasquatch rip you apart um you wouldn't be very lucky at all But, but but is there a method i think that's that's one of the things that, that when I've talked to some enthusiasts is what is the methodology to being able to see one of these things? I mean, is it cloaking yourself? Well, I, think or just, I,
4: I think it's by how much time you spend in the woods and, okay. uh, and like starting in about 2003, I spent all my spare time out there and what, and i like, I said, I'm interested in birds and I, at that time, I had a brand new dog who needed to run off energy, so we we would go to the state parks, and uh, I think I think these animals are very adept at uh, oh, evaluating what kind of people are there. You know, if you're if you're walking around mm-hmm. in a camouflage outfit with an AK forty seven. They're not going to hang around, but if they see some guy out there with binoculars and these dogs, they don't think you're looking for them.
1: Mm.
4: And and o- over time, they get they know you and they get used to you being in their area.
0: But do you think that they have a because we've never caught one and dissected it and stuff like that? Do you think they can smell like bears do? You know, a bear can smell yes. somebody way 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 far away. Uh, what would they say, that a bear has a, a nose 200 times stronger than a German shepherd or bloodhound or something crazy like that? So, I mean, do you right. think when they can I, recognize I, your scent? I, when I,
4: right. And when, when I a lot of times when I go over the hill into my area, I would hear distant wood knock. Like, I wasn't even over the hill yet until they were announcing somebody was coming. So, oh, you know, gotcha. they got all these... Yeah, they—they they, I think I believe they have a tremendous scent
0: of smell, uh, can smell really well. And you think that they recognize your smell, and then the next time you come back, they recognize your smell again and they say, okay, this guy's been here, he's not a threat, it's not something that we, it's not a predator, it's not someone we have to be concerned about? Do you think they, like, almost can catalog your particular scent? I,
4: I think they do. And I, and I think there's certain parts of the country uh, where guys are specifically trying to hunt them, and those kind of areas report Sasquatch that are very aggressive. And I think that's what it is. If you're aggressive, they're going to be aggressive.
0: Mm-hmm. And, um, I think that makes I, sense. I, 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 mean, think- it, I mean, you, you think about it this way, um, in, in the wild, you know, chimpanzees, mountain gorillas, and stuff like that, they learn to recognize certain researchers and will become comfortable with those researchers and eventually will approach them. If, you know, that researcher sits there for days and is quiet, just takes pictures, makes no non-threatening gestures or movements, they will eventually – they know that researcher is there. They will ignore them, and then eventually when they feel the time is right – They'll actually approach them and and have contact and 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 oftentimes not tear them apart. So I, I, it would make. I, sense. I think
4: that's absolutely correct.
0: Yeah, so it makes sense and, that if if Sasquatch is, is a primate type creature, it would get it would get comfortable with you being out there bird watching and whatnot, and say, look, this guy's not a threat. To us. We don't have to be you know all hands on deck to be ready to to you know. Fight or flight. Yes,
4: I think that's absolutely right. And um, I have one special area I go to, and one certain log I'd sit on, and uh, they they would interact a little bit. There'd be branch breaking and other stuff going on. And my attitude is always is I'm I'm not going to react to what they do. I'm not I'm not going to give them the the thrill of. Thinking they're scaring me off or whatever and because mm-hmm. i i want them to up the ante
3: <laughs> oh. <Yeah>. so, <laughs> man you're wow okay you're brave you're a brave man well, up the ante like what do you well, mean up you the know, ante like like what do you what do well,
4: you i want him to make more noise
3: okay because you're recording right when and, you're out there sitting it on the wall right, okay right, i'm
4: always recording but but the other part of it is is Nighttime is totally different than daytime with me uh, because I, I basically don't. I have zero fear in the daytime. Mm-hmm. It's a sure. nighttime that uh, that I have the problem because I can't see anything.
3: <laughs> now, do you go out there on that same log at night and and sit and?
4: Yeah, I I go, th- but I always go with three or four people. Okay. Okay. I, <laughs> that's smart. I, I ran into a couple of mo- mountain
0: lions, so I don't go at night by myself. Anymore. Oh. So, by so, you so know, tell, the thing is
3: that, yeah, go ahead, Grover. I was just going to say, so, so Stan, tell us about some of your visual sightings, like what you were doing and then what you, you know, what the experience was like and, and, you know, each time, you know, and what did they look like? That's the, you know, fur color,
0: height, weight, you know,
4: part of, part of the problem is is most sightings are very, very, very short because these animals are so fast. Um, one, I was up in, in uh, Seneca, Illinois, and and it's a very it's a very famous location. And uh, the curve in the road is called the Dupont the two tu- Dupont curve. And if you and because there was a, uh, a DuPont uh, chemical plant there one time. And if you go on and you, you type in the DuPont Monster, uh, it takes you to the uh, uh, DuPont's Raceway in Delaware. And they named the one corner of that racetrack the, Mon- the DuPont Monster. And I think that's why, because those workers see him all the time. And so I went up there, talked to the company, and got – written permission to be on their land. And I went in with my dog and we, we were there. All of my sightings had been within about 15 minutes of being in the woods. So I, I was sitting on this log for about 10 minutes and this thing came out, oh, maybe about 50 feet from me, just started going across the clearing. And as soon as it saw me, it, it just leaped straight backwards. And, and it happened so quick, I wasn't able to really focus any details, other than I knew it was black, tall, and real skinny. Um, probably my most controversial sighting was in uh, southern Illinois uh, uh, near and and I had this fellow that says, He says, I I see them along the railroad tracks and in one spot all the time, and I think they're hopping the train. And I thought, you know, I don't don't want to insult this guy, but, you know, that's I've never heard of such a thing. So we went down there, and, yeah. So pretty soon, here comes this train, and he yells at me. He says, "Stan, you look to the left, and I'll look to the right, and then we, we can see, because it was like one of these container trains, there was quite a bit of room in between each car. And when that train got halfway through, I saw it, and it, it, w- it was sitting in between. It, it never looked at me or anything. And uh, my wife says, you know, you, you can't tell this. People think you're crazy. And I said, it, it's too late.
0: And then then it's like, it's too late that you told people or it's too late. You're already crazy.
4: Right. So, so, so when I posted it, then all these people on the internet said, oh yeah, we knew that. And I thought, sure you did.
3: So, so the, the Sasquatch was sitting like on the coupling between the cars or what? Right.
4: Or yeah, back, back back,
3: from that. I think there was maybe five or six feet
4: in between that and where the containers start. And wow. uh, there's been other reports of that in Illinois. People may not have known what it was, but they saw something hairy. And then my, my last sighting was at my main research site. And in fact it was right where that log was, but I hadn't got back there yet. And uh there was turkeys uh running across the hill. They had seen me and they're making a bunch of rackets. And this thing came out of the cover, saw me and darted right back. And it it was a uh it was only about five feet tall, but it was orange in color and a bright orange. And uh which I've seen videos from British Columbia of a bright orange one, where or I wouldn't have believed it.
0: And bright orange, like an orangutan. Right. Exactly. And around here, there's there
4: there are reports of white ones. Sure, are reports of bright ones. Most of them are black in this area.
0: Well, it, it, do you think that? Do you think the color? the fur has anything to do with the geographic location and the changing of the seasons and things like that?
4: I I, I don't know.
0: I I mean, I'm not saying that they, I'm not saying that they're, that they're chameleons and they change fur color, but like, you know, you think about the Midwest, Ohio in the fall where you have the orange leaves and the red leaves and kind of like, it would be easier for something of that Prefer to blend in during that time of the year, but obviously nice. during the winter, you know that orange would probably kind of stick out. So I don't know because right. we talked so about we talk had Stacy Brown on here. We talked about that about the different colors like down in Florida.
4: Right. I I don't. You know you you would think white would be very hard to hide, but uh, yeah,
0: yeah,
3: they're, exactly. They're good at it. So, so when, when you're
0: out there in the woods, are you like, you said, I guess my question is, and this is for people, you know, who are enthusiasts, who are just beginning the Bigfoot, you know, research, you know, how far do you have to traverse into the woods to be in their territory? I mean, are you talking about a mile in a half mile in minutes? No, do you have to stay on a trail. I mean, what's your thoughts?
4: Well, I, I'm just, I tend to be a creature of habit, so I always follow the same path. Uh, but, but I've, I've had, uh, <coughs> I've gotten a lot of sounds from the parking lot before I even got in. And Whoa. One, one, one problem I have is a lot of times they're not very vocal and, and when I don't want to sound too strange, but a lot of times I can feel them if they're in the woods close to me. And other people can do it the same way. And when I park, if it's at night, they'll come down and check you out. They want to see who's there. So one rule we always have, we never leave anybody alone at the car. Because if you leave somebody at the vehicle alone and the rest take off, they're gonna come down and scare that whatever out of them
1: hmm.
4: so that they, they they want to know who's in there who's in their area and they'll they'll come and check out and so 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 many times they'll come check us out and then they're gone and then we don't get to see or have any interactions at all
0: I mean so so let me ask you this have you ever considered? Baiting in the trap, like leaving someone in the car with a running video camera, hoping to induce <laughs> them to come out to try to scare the hell out of them. And then, well, say, hey, you know,
4: you know what, you know what I need is a, a thermal camera. You know, I, we, we used to think that this night vision would work, but these animals, uh, they're not, they're not out in the open where you can see them with night vision. You have to have thermal. And that's just a lot more expensive. That's out of my range to have a thermal. Mm-hmm.
0: Well, we're so- going to send Jason, super producer, and Jerry, <laughs> our field investigator, <laughs> <together>, with <laughs> our FLIR camera with the uh, with the heat seeking, and they're going to. Hang out with him if you don't mind. And if you want to leave them out there and lose them, you go right ahead.
3: <laughs> oh we're not gonna
0: so, pay the ransom to get them back, man. We're trust me, we're not paying the ransom to get them back.
3: Uh-oh. <laughs> so so Stan so Stan, how many um, so once you started realizing that there were an abundance of sightings in Illinois, when did you start putting together the website that you have?
4: I, I think uh, I, I'd have to go back and look. I think I didn't do the website until around 2007 uh, or eight. I didn't do it till I had a bunch of recordings. Okay. And I, I, I never started out with the idea of putting sounds on there. It's just... I had friends in Virginia that were analyzing sounds for me and it just got easier for me to post them on there than they could look at them when they wanted instead of me emailing them all the time.
2: And
3: yeah, and I, de- I, de- I definitely want to talk about these sounds, okay? Because, um, so we'll tell people, you know, to, you to know, get to the website and check, because, I mean, the very first one, I want, you to, I want you to tell it's just labeled barking, okay? And so for all of our listeners who are going to go and listen to this, because I did this to Jason, I said, Jason, go check this out. And I said, tell me how big you think this dog is that's barking on, on there. And I think Jason's initial reaction was, oh, my God. That is gonna be a huge dog. So, tell tell our listeners the background behind that recording uh, that you got, and what you think the story is behind that. Because I mean, that was a really cool story you told me the other day.
4: Right. Well, we I had a Karelian Bear Dog, and Corellian Bear Dogs are about the size of a uh, of a uh, Border Collie but they're, they're very brave. Uh, I've seen her take on bear and moose and, and, uh, and a black Angus bowl. So she's not afraid of anything. Um, and she has to run at night. You have to give her two hours of exercise or she'll just tear up the house. So anyway, when, when we lived out on the lake, uh, she would, she'd take off in the evening and I recorded her, uh, there was some other animal and it, it had a smaller voice to it and it, it sounded like a, a dog or something. Anyway, she got extremely aggressive with it and she was just wild barking at this thing. Well, three days later, the Illinois Barker showed up and uh, it, we live on her, at that time we lived on a ridge above the water so this this can, thing came probably within maybe uh 120 feet of the house and it it started this barking now i don't know whether she was asleep or not but she didn't go out for over five minutes and when i heard her bark i thought maybe it was the neighbor dogs bothering her so i ran out i just grabbed my 45 and ran out the front door and around to the back of the house and then i got back there and i thought Wait a minute! It's pitch black. I can't see a thing back here, and uh, so I went back to bed and I listened to the recording the next day, and I put it on Facebook just just for people to listen to because I feel, still thought it was a dog at that time. And then I had a bunch of researchers contact me say, "Stan, that's not a dog. That th- that thing does it, it has a pattern to it, but." Uh, a dog will increase intensity and decrease, but that that does not sound like that. And so this thing came out of the woods, stood at the base of the hill, did that for five minutes, and turned around and went back. It was just, you know behavior is one thing that's different about these animals. Uh, and And the great thing was I had a real expensive recorder and I had a parabolic mirror. Underneath my deck, full time, and so I was able to get a good recording.
3: Well, and, that and that that recording is—I mean, it, it goes right through you. Like when you listen to it, especially with some head uh, headphones on, it really goes right to your core. You know what I'm saying?
4: Well, you know, you know, uh, the skeptics will say. Oh, that's that's a loop sound, <laughs> and it, it's not. But uh, they, especially in my area, I have four or five reports within ten or fifteen miles of me uh, of them making dog sounds. Because see, what I what I think they do here in rural Illinois is they go they have a they have a circuit. And they go from farm to farm, and they know who has dogs and who has livestock, and uh, they like to irritate the dogs. And they'll go in, and they'll growl at them or bark at them from a little distance to get those dogs going. And uh, and, and I get reports like that all the time.
3: What, now, that's kind of like, what do you attribute that to? Like, that's their form of entertainment? To just go aggravate right. the dogs, right? Because they're, they're not trying they're, to they're not trying to harm the dogs. They're just trying to aggravate. No,
4: no we're their entertainment on a Saturday night, and
3: uh, oh, and that's well, that's just that's just great. I, I hate to break it to them; they might as well stay away from my house because I'm not going to be very entertained. So.
4: Right. <laughs> wow. so my, well, no. I get reports of them doing that all the time.
0: Right, you know, please. there. If you listen to uh, like, there's been like Momo, which I'm not saying Momo's necessarily a Sasquatch, the Missouri Monster, but Sasquatch-esque, um, the Spotsville Monster in Kentucky. I'm not saying that per se Sasquatch, but Sasquatch-esque. You know, those were rumored of of killing dogs, catching, killing, and eating dogs. So I would be pretty reluctant to leave my dog out with Sasquatch around for fear they would, they would eat him. Well, you
4: know, you know, I, I kind of have to back up because my dog was terrified of him. It's the only thing she is. She'd take on a a black Angus bull, but if she saw a Sasquatch, you knew it. And she was petrified. And, uh, she, she would do that about once a month at her house where she would not go outside at night. And, uh, I, I know in Kentucky of a, of a couple who, uh, had dogs that were tied up and, and they killed their dogs. Well, cause see, the dogs are telling on them. The dogs are, the, the dogs are telling everybody that they're there.
0: Well, well, I'll tell you what I did last night in preparation for this show. I went out for a walk into where into a local park here that's connected to a woods. Stood out there on on the bridge, Grover. You know what I'm talking about. And I started playing some of your your Sasquatch sounds. And let me Can tell you something. I, well, I'm gonna tell you what happened. It was nighttime, and I started playing those sounds, and it was creepy as hell. And then when I was getting ready to leave, I'm telling you, I thought I heard something made a call back, scared the crap out of me. And I just hightailed the hell out of there. I, I'm not saying uh, what I heard with, with Squatch. I'm not saying that, but it sounded, I mean, it sounded almost identical to the sounds, the howls that I was playing on my phone. Now it could have been somebody out there, you know, gaming me or, but man, I'll tell you what—it sounded real close to it, and it scared the hell out of me. And I was like, "I gotta get out of here. I'm out." Well,
1: who me. would hear the you sounds
3: know? coming? Who would hear the sounds coming from your phone and not think, "Oh my God, what's that? Why would they?" You know? Well, I, know. well I
0: mean, I heard—I had it turned up loud because I was well, hear say- Yeah, that's what I'm saying.
3: Yeah. Is if I heard that, I wouldn't be like, "Well, I'm going to make that noise back." You know? <laughs> you know? I mean, I unless know. It was yeah. I know. it just was. It was really
0: odd. And if you know where that spot is and Grover knows where it is on, on the
3: the bridge is I helped build the the bridge. What are you talking about?
0: Yeah. So, you know, right there as is, you're standing like at the bottom of the bridge, you take, you just go around the edge of that. That's that path that leads back into the woods. And I was standing up on the bridge right there. I, I, you know, where that path is. And I was playing those sounds and I played, I don't know, four or five of them. And I kind of was like, okay, this is pretty creepy to be out here dark. If I heard that and I, and I was done playing them and it was a little bit after that, something signaled back in that very similar vocalization. I'll tell you what gave me chills. I'm like, I'm out. I'm gone. I hooked it. Yeah. I, I only do because
4: sounds if
0: I'm within about 10 feet of the car. <laughs> well, <laughs> I'll tell you what I was not. And then, and then here's the thing that as I was high talented out of there and and I had a good half mile to get back to civilization, uh, I started thinking to myself, you know, I don't know what that how was. Was that how a challenge to another Sasquatch? Was that a, was was that a, was that a male Sasquatch doing a mating call? And then another, you know, they're like. You know, I, I, I don't know, and then suddenly I'm like, did I just challenge somebody to a fight, or do I offer to have sex with them? I don't know. But oh, good. Of- <laughs> uh,
3: so, so Stan, is anytime, So, anytime out there during your research, day or night, have you ever felt that way? Like threatened? Like a little bit scared on edge?
4: Well... What, what happened, I, I'm like everybody else, and when I first started in this, I was in denial that they could be at my house. I only thought they were 50 miles away, and uh, I'll tell you when it was. It was 23rd of May in 19, uh, 2006, and at 8 o'clock in the evening, my dog was barking, and I told my wife, you know, I'm going to take my night vision goggles and take her down the creek and show her, where those deer are bedding down in that tall grass. I didn't get out of my backyard. This thing roared and it sounded like, it sounded like a chorus of about 20 men and the volume was unbelievable. And I would assume it had young with them or family or whatever, but I didn't go out of my yard. It it was beautiful. These things have beautiful, fabulous voices. And um, it, it just
0: did a roar.
4: And uh, I've, I've gone out in that pasture before with my, my cell phone. My wife says, what are you doing? I said, well, I'm going to play the Illinois howl, see if I get a response. She says, they can't hear that thing. I said, they most certainly can. And so the next day I went out and looked, and, and the only tree that I had on that fence row was broken off at the 10-foot level. And so I went and got her, and I said, "I want you to look at this." And I said, "What do you think?" And she says, "Well, I know what it was, but I don't want you talking about it for six months."
1: <laughs> so
4: they they can respond they can respond back. I only do sounds if I'm within ten feet of the car because I get them to respond back, and I just don't have the nerve to stand there with that thing yelling at me.
3: So in other words, you play you played that Illinois howl, and its response was to come where the howl emanated from and snap a tree, is what you're saying. Right,
4: right. They knew they knew I, who was doing
3: it. Okay, so remember that, barrister, when you're standing there playing <laughs> the Illinois howl. That, Listen, to- I'm not doing it again. I, look, I
0: now it didn't sound. Now, the truth is, it didn't sound like it was real close to me. Like, it sounded like it was in the distance. But when you're at night and you're by a woods, you don't know how far something really is from you. You know what I'm... Like, I can't gauge... Is that within 30... You know, is that is that a half mile away from me? Is that within a quarter mile? Is that within 100 yards of me? I, I can't discern that. But what I do know is i really really never expected in the location that i was at that i would hear something like that respond to
3: that recording like i really did not think that that would happen like never i well well let me tell you something stan also i think has a little insight about people not thinking these these creatures are near population bases um isn't that true Stan? Did't you uh, right you want uh, to share the story about the about the guy in what outside of Chicago right
4: I, I did an interview uh, on the radio with a guy in Chicago and I had met him before and he seemed really nice Well when he got on the radio he was really kind of making fun of the topic and uh, which, which I, I I don't really mind. So the next day, he's on the way to to see his mother, and he goes by the, uh, I think that's the Woodfield Zoo in Chicago. It's not too far from downtown, and he saw one, and it ran across a four-lane freeway, uh, highway in front of him. He even got out of his car and ran into the woods to see if he could see it. And I did eventually get to talk to him on the phone, but he didn't want to talk to me. And, uh, so, you know, places like Chicago, Northeast Illinois has a hundred thousand acres of, uh, uh, forest preserves and, you know, people don't hunt there. And, uh, so there's a lot of reports around, around major cities and, uh, Cleveland, you know, Cleveland has the Cuyahoga national park there. And I have friends that, uh, have heard sounds and, um, uh, and, and St. St. Louis uh, hunters have reported seeing them laying on the ground when they were out hunting, and uh, that that area since then has been closed. The uh, uh, conservation department closed it. So I really? don't, I don't know, but but you know that's something especially in Illinois we found is that these animals are coming in really close. Uh there there was a report within a mile of the state uh capitol building in Springfield. What? And
0: oh, holy mo- right, that's it, crazy. Any,
4: anywhere, anywhere you have wooded creeks or or uh you gotta have cover. Uh they're coming in. And they're just they're just as curious of us as we are of them. It's just so,
1: Stan, what
0: would, you, what would you estimate? What would you estimate population of Sasquatch in the Midwest? I mean, uh, take take out the Pacific Northwest. You know that that in Alaska and those places are so massive, but like Illinois, Wisconsin, Michigan, Ohio, Indiana, Pennsylvania. Well, we well, take out. I I don't like to talk
4: stuff. about other other states because I've not done that much research. But, you know, Illinois is known for corn and soybeans. but we have 78,000 miles of wooded streams and and rivers in Illinois, and I don't think it's too far-fetched to say one sasquatch for 10 miles, one family for 50 miles. Well, when you multiply that out, that's a lot of animals. And, wow. and what i've done is like i went up to the least populated one of the least populated counties in illinois and it only has one stream in it and almost no woods and we used the illinois howl up there well i have some other techniques that aren't recorded that i use and uh, we got responses so in the web, in the web, midwest if you have what wooded creeks, I think you have these animals.
2: Mm-hmm. Wow.
4: They're just I, I, I think there's one in twenty uh, reported. People don't want to be ridiculed, and they uh, they don't want to believe what they saw.
3: Well, yeah, and and I mean, and you actually are someone who takes reports and catalogs them, and. You know, but where – I mean, if I – I mean, we had – you know, we had an experience last summer, and I wouldn't say one way or another that I 100% thought it was a Bigfoot, but I'm not sure what else it was. But who am I going to report it to unless I go looking, you know, for the uh, BFRO? I mean, you're not going to call the sheriff, you know. I mean, report to the campground manager. Hey, guess what you got – I mean, that's nothing official, you know, so –
0: That was like when, you know, and, and, and I'm not rehashing anything, but I had a dog man sighting when I was a kid, there was nobody to report that to. I mean, who would I report that to? I mean, I wouldn't, I mean, you got to call up the Ohio department of natural resources and say, Hey, I think I saw a Sasquatch here. You want to put that in the log book? You know, I just don't even know who you like in Ohio, who you report to other than you go on the website and try to get a hold of the BFR or whatever.
4: Well, I I have a friend in, in the Chicago area who who showed me a picture he took of a, bo- a dog man, and I'd never seen anything like that before because it had a long, long muzzle on it. Yep. And uh, well, I've been up to Bachelor-, uh, Bachelor Grove is a kind of a, a, a famous uh, paranormal cemetery, and. Um, but he took me out in the woods and there was huge structures. And I, I went in there by myself in the winter and found new structures. And he says, Stan, nobody's been in there. And I'm, I'm, this is the only place that's ever happened to me, but I'm convinced that these animals have rendezvous. I think they have meeting places where they get, I don't know what they're doing, but I am convinced that they do, they do socialize more than just a family group. That they, they you know, that they have communication well, over greater distance.
0: So so Stan, let me ask you this: so if you if you're in the camp of, and I know there's two different camps. One camp is that Bigfoot, Sasquatch, there's something paranormal, supernatural, interdimensional even, uh, even alien about them. If you're in the, in just the, the, the blood, you know, type camp and you, and you say, look, it, it's a primate type creature. Almost every primate, uh, genus, th- they're groups, not just a family, but just groups they travel and they right. fight. And that. I mean, you think about chimpanzees and wars that they have with each other. Um, you look at, uh, uh, you know, silverback gorillas, they live in, and they live in, you know, in groups. So, I mean, it, it would, it would strike me as odd that if Sasquatch is a, is a primate undiscovered, unclassified, you know, descended of, you know, giant Pithecus, that they would be solo creatures like, a, you know, like a Siberian tiger, you know what I mean? They it doesn't make sense. If they're from the primate tree, they would be in groups. Right.
4: Well, and I, I'm I'm kind of a little bit of both groups. I've never been paranormal, but they have certain attributes that are not normal. Uh, this this infrasound stuff. I I don't know if it's infrasound. Nobody knows what it is. That's what they call it, and uh, they they do have some alarming uh, abilities. And if if you if you think you're a rough and tough guy, I want you to go out in the woods and have some of these encounters where they paralyze people. Uh, it's happened to me i've seen i've I've uh, experienced it firsthand, and I have a lot of friends that have uh, experienced the infrasound and it's something that we're not we're not seeing in other animals in North america and uh so I, I'm kind of leading to the other side that maybe, maybe these things are actually Nephilim that the Bible talks about. Uh, I don't know what they are. Mm. And I know as, as uh, humans, we've been dealing with them for thousands of years. And, and I think that's what uh, a lot of the, the children's stories in Europe are actually squatches. Uh, uh, any anything from the uh, the Jolly Green Giant that you see on a can of peas to to Santa Claus and uh, a lot of the stories of the Big Bad Wolf and and um, uh, Goldilocks. All those all those stories, if you trace them back, a lot of them are are not animals. They're they're giants and stuff in Europe.
0: Yeah, Here's that's a grim <laughs> fairy tales in the, uh, you know, in the black forest of Germany and the, those places and and research origin stories of some of these things.
4: Now, I, I don't know if they still exist in Europe, but I know there's researchers in England that have sent me uh, uh, recordings that sound like ours.
0: Really?
2: yeah well, that is fascinating it just goes to show so, so basically and, with and, your and, point
0: you're not in either camp at this point you're in the this is the the who knows I'm open-minded camp right
4: I do not I do not go out in the woods and talk to these things I, I don't think that's, that's not me. That's not what I'm going to do. I'm not going to open myself up to maybe something that's more on the demonic level. Uh, okay. I, all, all of my, all of my experiences with these animals have been good ones. Uh, I lost, I lost my, my GPS in, in, the, in the local park where I go. And, and six weeks later, it was moved back to where I parked my car, and uh, it 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 was I had it in a wrapper. It was still in that wrapper, and I said, and see, I always use my wife because she says she's a realist, where I'm more of a a romantic about this stuff. And I said, what do you think about it? And she says, I'll tell you what, if a human would that would not have brought that back, and you wouldn't have your GPS, they'd have taken it.
3: Exactly. Yeah, they just sold it for whatever they could have got out of. Right. Wow, that's. It. So I,
4: I'm not. I'm not. am not afraid of them. Uh, I just. I just don't go in the woods and 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 do my calls at night. I don't. I don't want any any uh, big time response there.
3: Any miscommunication uh, is what you don't want, because because like I, it, if I, if you're if you're saying that you know, like you're where you're going and and doing your research, it has to be an area right that's got a stream or a river going through it with that's wooded, so it's probably a highway basically for these things. Who knows if you're out there doing those calls and the wrong guy, you know, the wrong family unit comes through, and. Here's here's you making trying to make contact with them and they're not interested in making contact or you don't know what well, it is. And
0: it... Well, and that's what spooked me last night when I did that. I'm like, I don't know what those howls are signifying. I don't know if those are, are <laughs> yeah. mating calls or those are. I don't know what those are. And and sort of the same goes with tree knocking. I know people are there beating on trees. I'm like, well, maybe tree knocking has a specific language like, like we do with Morse code and, and you're out there making a threatening gesture, you're out there beating on a tree thinking it's cute. And I'm going to try to do a tree knock. And mm-hmm. what you're really doing in a threatening gesture to something to rip you to pieces. I, I don't want, I'm not going to do that. And I certainly made a, made a really bad mistake last night that I will not make again. And I'm not going out there doing any tree knocking because I don't know what I'm saying. You know what I mean? I don't know. It. I don't know what what I'm communicating to this
3: thing. Exactly. Well,
4: I I will do stuff at night by myself, but I'm not going to do it away from the car.
1: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Uh,
3: Well, I think, Stan, that's probably why you've lasted this long as a researcher, because you're smarter than the rest of us, for sure. (laughs) (laughs)
2: For sure.
4: But I've I've had other people... When I've given talks and stuff, I've had people use the sound, and they they got they can get really big responses from them. You just have to.
3: So you don't
4: do it night by myself.
3: Okay, so is there a warning? And I didn't see this on your website that if you're going to use your sounds, you will not be held responsible if someone uses uses them in a situation that probably is not wise.
0: <laughs> yeah. You know, well, I, I don't, I don't warning on that uh, thing. So it's like me, don't go out and do something stupid. Yes. Yeah. Well, I,
4: I know I, I, I have contacts that, uh, you know, everybody's going out and doing wood knock. And I don't, typically these things are not aggressive, but I, I had a guy locally who, uh, was going out, checking out his hunting spot, and he spent the night in the tent, and he did a few wood knocks. Well, in the middle of the night, his tent was knocked down. Hmm. Well, I don't think he'll do wood knocks again like that.
1: So, <laughs> yes, they do I...
4: respond. I, I, all the only time I think it's ever dangerous is if is they have young with them.
3: That they think you're threatening. I well, mo- that,
4: most I it,
3: well, saying. most animals out in the wild, even little animals, you know, even like birds. Okay, they're protecting their young. Just to, you know what I'm saying. So imagine a more violent type animal is definitely going to protect their young. But I mean, you walk by a bird's nest that has bird, the birds swooping down at you to get you away. You know, so any animal well, that has young is going to try to.
4: We, we did have, uh, now this is third hand, it's not verified, but I've talked to two different individuals who t- told me the same story here locally of a, of a deer hunter who didn't come back. And so his wife contacted the authorities and they found him at it, at, at, sitting at the base of a tree with his neck broken with a blood trail going out in the woods. Well, we don't know what happened. Did this guy happen to see one of these animals and shoot at it? You know, if you shoot at any animal, I think they have every right to defend themselves. So...
3: Sure, if you don't kill it. If you don't kill it, I mean, I guess that's... (laughs) What's fair fair is fair,
4: right? I spent a lot of time in, in Colorado, and I carried bear spray... And it's tough to think that if I got a bear coming at me, I'm going to use spray than a gun. But if you use bear spray, uh, the bear's going to leave. But if you use a gun, somebody's going to die, either you or the bear. So bear spray is a better
0: answer. Yeah, I mean, and, and about it is. I've heard about that is the odds that you're going to be able to successfully shoot and down a charging bear is extremely small, right? You're you much better chance of surviving with, with the, with the bear spray, right? Because if it's a brown bear grizzly bear, if you don't have a strong enough cartridge, they'll bounce right off its right off its head. Now. So now you imagine that that if a Sasquatch is 600, 800, a thousand pounds, I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm not sure you have a cartridge big enough to take it down. And, and no. you know, you think about this. If, if you go into the ocean and you're swimming in the ocean and you get bit by a shark, you are in their territory. They are doing what they have been designed to do for millions of years. If you go into a swamp and you run into an alligator, it's going to do what it's been, it's been bred to do for a million years if you go into the deep forest and you run into a Sasquatch or if you go into the jungles, you run into a chimpanzee, you're in their territory. I mean, you're the one that's encroaching upon them. Just like if somebody came in your backyard or tried to get in your back door, what would you do? You would defend yourself. You would defend your family. So I I, I think, you know, trudging out there, being very cavalier with these things is a bad idea.
4: Well, you know, the best way for safety, Huh. And what we like to do is always take girls with you, because when these things— the,
3: I did not when pay Stan—by the way, I did not pay Stan to say this, so go ahead, Stan.
4: Go ahead. When, you, when you have girls with you, these animals know—I mean, there are girl hunters, I understand that, but typically if you're out in the woods and you've got two or three girls with you chatting it up, you're just a family group passing through. Plus, it really piques her interest. So uh, a lot, a lot, a lot of reports with uh, that that involve women with them, and girls that's, are usually smaller.
3: Yes. Yeah. I mean, that's. I mean, crying out lot. If you if you're hanging out with uh, just girls on a regular basis, it draws guys around. Why wouldn't it draw? bigfoot you know what i'm saying i mean especially if they're i mean because they're just attracted to the pheromones you know that uh that certain species or whatever give off you know whether it's human or that i mean especially if their sense of if every other sense of them is heightened uh, of course their sense of smell is going to be heightened too you know and they're gonna i i had
4: a i had a friend that told me uh he he lived in texas and they they raised uh brahma bulls and he says we always had the girls uh do the training they just responded better really so these these animals i i think that they they they, they detect testosterone and they're going to be more aggressive
3: that makes sense yeah yeah so, so Stan. Other than so, in your experience, because I think the whole Sasquatch is getting on train cars and traveling. Now, I mean that when you told me that that that's like the craziest thing I could right. could ever <laughs> imagine. So, does it get any does it get any more unusual than that in the hundreds of reports that you have taken? I mean, or does that take the cake right there?
4: I I think that is um, that's one of the more wild ones. Other than the fact that these things are are really in close, and uh, now the little town I live in, my side of town doesn't have the trees, <laughs> so. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 that, that that's the other big thing we have learned. As, and uh, I want, there's a famous scientist uh, working in Africa right now who likes the term that uh, they're in our neighborhood. And I know guys in Illinois who will take these expeditions out on the West Coast, but they won't go in their own woods. And I, I don't understand why that is. But they really are afraid. The closer to home they get.
3: Well, yeah, you don't well, want to. You don't want to think it's in your backyard. You know, I mean, that's really scary.
4: I know a guy that's been clearing brush and trees away from his house because because of his family's been having so many encounters. And I thought, you're going to have to clear them for ten miles because it, it ain't going to make any difference. They you know, a lot of. Well, I get. A lot, I'll get reports from uh, people that it's five miles to the nearest tree. As long as it's dark and there's cornfields. Wow. I think. I think that's what the concept of uh, children in the corn is. It's probably people that have seen juvenile squatches in the, playing in the corn.
3: Or dogmen. Or dogmen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I well. don't know about
4: these other things. I don't have that experience.
3: <sighs> well, I do. <laughs> yeah, it, sa- it sounds like your experience uh, has been pretty positive. And I mean, um, I can only hope that they remain positive. And like, how active are you still going out and on your own and, and researching?
4: Well, I. I'm not able to go to the park every day, but I do go out. I'm not I'm not doing as much hiking as I used to, and I used to do a Colorado a lot, and uh, then I had some pulmonary embolism, and my doctor told me to stay out of he says stay out of Colorado. I don't want you up that high anymore. <laughs> so, so, I stick more more to home.
3: Now, does the doctor know that you're out looking for squatches?
4: I don't think so.
1: <laughs>
3: because what would that do for a pulmonary <laughs> Was some I mean, I would think that would be the worst thing for your heart. Is, is yeah, a, people, uh, what then, what so I you used to do a
4: lot and, is uh, I used to spend a lot of nights in my car out in the woods. Now, I know your car is no protection, but mentally it is. Sure. And I'll tell you why. I've had a lot of experiences with my car because I've and and I've got recordings on there where they would come through that, and I was the only one in the campground. They'd come in the campground and uh, grunt and uh, peek in my window, and uh, uh, I have recordings of them grunting and uh, lifting up on the doorknobs.
3: Oh, my gosh.
4: <laughs>
3: and, and
4: I think people tend to make things sound more dangerous than it is because these things, I think, are just more curious than anything.
3: Uh, Listen, just you saying that, that makes it sound kind of dangerous. i got to be honest with you. (laughs) And,
4: you know, when I I, I worked in surgery, and uh, so when I first got interested, I I didn't hold back on it. And, you know, I had five or six people approach me privately and say, you know, we've been camping and we've had uh, things happen where something was rubbing its hand up and down the tent. It's, it's, it. I don't, I don't put anything past these animals. I've gone camping near, near Peoria, and before we could get the camper unhooked, we were getting sounds from the woods behind our tent in the daytime.
3: I, it's uh, almost, uh, it's, it's so, it's so crazy, like how either, you know, either you're more attuned to what, because you're, Have been doing this and talked to so many people, like it's almost like you're more attuned to what is actually going on, and like a regular average Joe is not going to pay attention. I think it's.
4: I think it's. I think it's the sound. Okay. And and the other thing is, you could take two guys out in the woods and come across a beautiful footprint, and one guy'll bend down and he'll say, "Isn't this great?" And the other guy says.
3: It's nothing. Let's
0: go home. Mm, it's true. So, yeah, I, I, you know, the the thing about this whole subject matter is, um, you know, Sasquatch is a wild animal. Um, wild animals can be dangerous. I think you got to proceed with caution. I'm one of these guys. I know. From watching some of these documentaries about what a chimpanzee, which is a fraction of the size of Sasquatch, has done to people, ripped them apart. And I got to think to myself, I got to be honest with you, I I don't want to be in a situation where Sasquatch is hungry, mad, I don't know what, and it's just going to rip me to pieces.
3: I don't want to put myself in that spot. So in other words, Stan, we're now firmly established that you are more of a man than the barrister. So there we go. So,
1: well, so, you
4: know, you know, i i was a, I was the youngest of uh, four boys, and i I was always teased, uh, you know, because I was the littlest out in the woods about bears coming and everything else. And I spent time in Alaska with Alaska brown bear up close and personal, and and, and I don't say I'm any braver now. But it's kind of been a personal challenge for me to be around something this big and to uh, kind of let the fear go. Because I'm not uh, afraid in the daytime. Nighttime is a little different.
3: Well, Stan, I think we've also firmly established that you're more of a man than me, too. Now, Jason, I'm not going to speak for him. But, st- but, but Stan, so lady, <laughs> but st- don't play so- any
4: of these sounds in the middle of the woods by yourself at night.
3: I'm not going to, I'm, I'm no, I'm not. I, I don't, I don't want an answer. No, I might, I might go off the back porch here where we're at because I think it's the whole car, 10, 10 feet from the car theory, you know, five feet from the sliding glass right. door. I can get in the house. Well, you know, so,
4: when I looked out here at the lake, I, I was going out on the back porch every night and I would play a, a varmint caller and doing this sort of stuff. And I had to quit that because they were answering me, and they were they were behind my neighbor's house. And I thought, ah, I don't want to do that anymore. So.
3: Oh geez. <laughs> well, well, Stan, David. well, Stan, I want, um, I want you to tell people like if they have a story, like does does they ha- do they have to be from Illinois to get on your website and and share a story with you? Or can anybody no, just get get no. on Smithson
4: what 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 I've always done and what I always felt my quote unquote mission was 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 to listen to people because uh, I'll tell you, I've not gone into it, but there's some absolutely horrifying stories out there and uh, and and so you know anybody anywhere they can they can email me, and and uh, you know I'll listen to them because that's all, always my goal has been is to uh, to help people because a lot of people are traumatized what they they see or hear and we don't you know ha, we don't know what's out there and I I was with a small group on the Olympic Peninsula and uh, I went around the corner and came back. Uh, on this road and a girl's running down the road and she says, you just had a Sasquatch walk across the road. It waited until I went around the corner and then it went across the road. So we're dealing with something really smart.
3: (laughs) Well, well, so, 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 Go to it's just stancourtney.com, right? That's that's right. the best, okay? And that's and we'll put a spell you know, we'll put a spelling up on the we'll put a link, we'll have Jason put a link up in our podcast description of com because I want to encourage everybody go just sit and listen to all these sounds, read, you know, go to the blog, go to these uh cases and stuff. I mean. I want to thank you, Stan, for putting all this stuff together because this is like a Bigfoot lovers' dream. It's a treasure trove. You know, I
4: I yeah. wish they I wish they were all real high quality, but that's not what you get.
3: Oh yeah, yeah. I'm sure. I mean, you're dealing with you. It's not like you can just walk out there and say, "Hey, okay, now I got the recording." You know. Um, right. You know what I'm saying? It's you're at their mercy. You know, you're not in nope. a sound studio,
4: right? It's uh, nature recording is very difficult.
3: Yeah. Well, I would encourage I would encourage everybody listening to go check out stancourtney dot com and just get lost in there. And if you have a if you have a good if you have exciting and you've never felt like you could tell anybody before, go tell Stan. Go tell Stan. Let him know, let him know. Let him add to his database, basically, because that's the only way that uh, we're probably going to get close to trying to figure out what is going on, you know, with this phenomena. So, so Stan, I appreciate you coming on and sharing some of your stories with us, and I'm sure I'm sure you're going to hear from some of our listeners uh, once they get on your website and. and Check some of that stuff out. So um, just yep. the dog just the dog barking one. If you get past the dog barking sound, I mean, that one alone is 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 worth the five minutes. So
0: all right. So one last question, Stan. Have we entertained you enough to go ahead and do the swimsuit contest?
4: Ah! <laughs> oh, gosh. I don't think so. I I have one, one last story for you. Oh, my, okay. My, my brother's had several encounters and I've been with him when we've heard howls and stuff, but he wintered in uh, Arizona and he calls me up and he says, I, I saw this, uh, animal and it's on all fours and it's on, uh, about five feet tall. And, uh, He says, I think it was a Sasquatch. That's something new uh, over the years that we've discovered is how much they travel around on all fours and how fast they are. And I said, well, where was it going? And he said it was heading towards the nudist colony. And I said, well, I guess they're curious about all those naked, uh, hairless people.
2: (laughs) They probably would be. (laughs)
3: oh man oh that's great (laughs) so barrister it's a good thing you weren't doing those calls nude then off the bridge
0: oh yeah that's that's not him
3: (laughs) (laughs) uh all right stan well thank you so much for uh for hanging out with us for a little while and uh We'll, uh, we'll definitely keep in touch because um, like I said, you've got so much good stuff on there I can't wait to uh, hear what what but else. You get.
4: Know, if, if people go to the website, there is a tab at the top that says reported sighting, And that has my email and everything.
3: There you go. So there you right go there. Yep. All right. Yeah. All right. And so if you get anyone if you get any from Ohio, be sure to let me know so we can so we can talk to the people if well. they want to talk to
2: somebody. <laughs> right. Yeah, absolutely. Ohio's yeah. a
4: great location.
3: Yes, it is. Yes it is. So well thank you, Stan, and uh um, I'm looking forward to uh to hearing what kind of reports you get here in the future and for your for some more recordings.
2: Yeah, it's a great website, that's for sure. Treasure trove okay. of information.
4: Thank you. thank
2: you guys. All right, Stan. We'll talk, talk to you to later. Thank you. Yep. Okay. Bye. All right, bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye. Thank you for tuning in to this week's episode of the From the Shadows podcast. Until next time, never shy away from the darkness or what may be lurking in the shadows. We are out.